0: Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Captain Picard of the Enterprise. Captain of the Enterprise. Welcome to the Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. Kinda of said track at the beginning there, didn't I?
1: Yeah. I'm oh, Benjamin R. Harrison. I think you made a lot of people flinch with that. <laughs> a lot of people are making stink face now. Yeah. Uh, who are you? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm your other host, Adam Pranica. And uh, this is one of our rare morning shows, Ben.
0: Yeah, we're uh, we're recording at, at the crack of dawn, at least for Adam. Yeah. Uh, just squeezing on in. We've Welcome to Mornings of, with Trek. <laughs> you've got a bunch of road shoots ahead of you, so we're stacking them and racking them. That's right. That's right. I'm uh I'm having
1: a little coffee this morning. Or if I were like on one of those morning shows, I'd have a big glass of white wine. Hmm. Yeah. You're like her, a, you're, like you like your Kathy Lee Giffords. Are,
0: are so uh, so are you Kathy Lee and I'm Hoda? Oh yeah, yeah. I think so. I think that's only
1: fair. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> that you get to be the cool one. Is Co- is Hoda the cool one? Oh yeah. Hoda's way cooler. Really? Oh
0: yeah. But really, how could you choose? Yeah. I've seen Kathy Lee live in person once, and she seemed uh, very sweet. Um,
1: Oh, I don't doubt that at all.
0: But I think maybe she's got, like, some really intense religious affiliation that she doesn't talk about in public
1: that much or something like that. Oh, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, I can't remember what it is. Something, something... Something up with Kathy Lee.
1: Whatever religious prescription uh, is all about drinking in the morning is <laughs> probably what she's into. Yeah.
0: We're shopping around rabbis until we find one that can <laughs> sign off on all this. <laughs>
1: oh, man. Speaking of things that evoke that which is rabbinical, <laughs> <laughs> would you like to discuss season three, episode two, The Most
0: Toys? The most toys. It's incredible how many toys I've got. You're going to love these toys. You wouldn't believe the realistic bubblegum smell. <laughs> it's amazing. It's the most realistic <laughs> bubblegum smell in this century, in any century. It's incredible. Okay? The episode
1: starts with the Enterprise crew loading up a race car bed shuttle with some pretty. Dangerous items.
0: Yeah, they uh, they didn't want to risk a previa because they are transporting some real volatile shit from one ship to the Enterprise, and it's like too volatile to even risk transporter.ing So it's
1: too volatile to use those little
0: hoverboard things that uh, Barkley had to repair <laughs> keep, a little while ago. Yeah,
1: they're, they're keeping Barkley way away from this mission.
0: Yeah, they gave him some time to the ho- in the holodeck to himself yeah. on this on this app. Yeah, they've basically taken the most suicide-prone officer and given him the junkiest <laughs> spaceship they have to transport this <laughs> stuff back and forth. <laughs> so Data is is piloting the shuttle, and it's, it's like, loaded up with the last load of... Uh, what's this stuff called? Uh, Tricyonate? I think no. tricyanate is the thing that there's like a water supply and some colony that's Hytridium. Got, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what it is. It's uh those Just are the pre-cur- both precursors of trichordrazine, right?
1: Right. Well yeah. what you do is you take a standard English root word up front and then uh-huh. you you cram that into a medical or engineering sounding word in the back and you get hytridium.
0: Yeah. Hytridium, at Adam. Up top. <laughs> Can you use that in a sentence, Ben? <laughs> what is the origin of the word? <laughs> Do I sound like a musical robot?
1: <laughs> oh,
0: man. We're
1: heat-seeking the two percenters right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, the, the owner of the ship that they are, this this ship, the Jovis, that they're trading with is a... There's a Balian trader named Kivas Fajo, and we don't see Fajo for quite a while, but um, we do see data, like, radioing up the Enterprise. He says, like, they, uh, they put the last of the stuff in, in the bunk bed, and I'll be taken off now, and he's transmitting a lot of code, and they, somebody comes around with, like, an iPad for him to uh, do touch ID on to prove that he's received the shipment. And when he puts his thumb on the uh, on the home button, it shoots some warp lightning into him. Warp
1: lightning is back.
0: Yeah, that's like the best agent in Hollywood. Data doesn't get to wharf scream though. No, he freezes. Yeah, and uh, and so from the bridge of the Enterprise, you kind of see it's one of these like rare moments where you just see kind of routine business on the bridge, you know where. They're just kind of officers, kind of giving out status updates on various things.
1: Yeah, I was struck by this too. That uh, it's a little bit watching the episode for them, except they're watching it in real time. They don't yeah. have anything to do. They're just watching the FaceTime footage of the shuttle flight.
0: Yeah, and it's more—they're more engaged in the process than you would think. Like, yeah, you would think that these shuttles can basically fly themselves, and they don't really need to like sweat the details too much on getting. An object from one spaceship to another, but uh, the whole crew is pretty engaged in this process, and everything's looking A-OK, which makes it all the more shocking for them when the shuttlecraft blows up. Containment field stable. Gravitational fluctuations with acceptable parameters. Flight pattern. Yeah, and uh, data... He did, At least from their perspective, you know. And and I felt like this moment lost its punch a little bit because they just showed Data getting shocked, so... Yeah,
1: if they didn't show that scene, it would have been far more powerful, right?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, and what I was thinking was, like, this show, because time travel and the way... Like, some of the stuff that they do with the show with regards to time travel means that they could basically never show... Scenes out of order yeah and uh, you know they can't pulp fiction around at all and um i felt like if they had just shown from the bridge's perspective what happened and then gone back and shown it from the other side or something like that it might have been more interesting but you know that that gets into very risky territory when the they, they want to be able to talk about time travel and you know Spooky action at a distance type shit. Yeah, I mean, they do that
1: in later seasons where they they do some hopscotching around a story. But uh, in season three, they aren't willing to do that at this point. And I think it's to the detriment of some tension here. Yeah.
0: But uh, that being said, I think that the performances in this scene are really top tier. You know, you really get the sense that the wind is knocked out of the whole bridge crew when they see this happen.
1: Yeah, it's Worf that says it first. Like, Worf's the guy that can actually, that actually has the words in this moment. Yeah. He's really bummed out about about his boy.
0: Yeah, he's like, how the fuck am I going to get through? I need doors now. (laughs) his entire world has has collapsed (laughs) i'm gonna be stuck on the bridge for the rest of my life that's no death of a warrior this is some bullshit it's one of the great uh
1: throws to opening theme song uh that we've gotten in the first three seasons like bridge officer dead yeah throw to theme
0: Data comes to in this kind of gallery room. And uh, there's one of those gallery chairs in the middle of it, like you see in the big art museum. And there's lots of kind of objet dart and paintings and things around the perimeter of the room. Um, There's a guy in kind of a bad polyester sport coat in the corner telling people not to touch the artwork like, if
1: you were ever invited over to a party and this was the scene, like, you'd think the guy was really up his
0: own ass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you wouldn't be wrong. No. Uh, so, uh, in, walks, uh, in, in walks Kivas Fajo, played bubblingly by Saul Rubenick, uh who just fucking, like, every priceless piece of scenery in this room, he chews up and spits out. <laughs>
1: This is going to sound like a a slam against our our friend of the show, Saul Rubinick, but when you can't get Jeremy Piven, he is a great plan
0: B. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, um, this performance really reminded me of the coked-out movie producer in True Romance.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a great call. I mean, it's like,
0: you know, you cast Saul Rubinick to kind of play a a high-status doofus. Yeah. And he, he fucking destroys this shit.
1: Yeah, he really does. And he's like not just in in voice and dialogue, but like in carriage and physicality. He's yeah. He's just
0: very Yeah, they shoot him in they shoot him in these very wide angle shots and he just he like uses the whole frame. His body is amazing. Uh they've got a I mean, I definitely take a little exception to the fact that they chose to put him in a yarmulke, but the rest of his costume is, is really terrific. It shows kind of a maroon velour with lots of little jewels encrusted in various places, and it's clear that he really uh, thinks, thinks highly of himself, you know? He's
1: really got some big honking pinky rings, doesn't
0: he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, They're like plums. Right. Uh, I guess his, his hat is like as much pharaoh crown as it is yarmulke. But it definitely is hard to ignore the fact that this feels a little bit like an ugly Jewish stereotype.
1: Well, that brings up a point that I had intended to bring up later, which was, uh, do you believe that that is what this is?
0: So, I think that um, the other thing in this series that is also an ugly Jewish stereotype that's hard to ignore is the Ferengi. Right. And... I feel like that is less explicit but maybe more offensive. Yeah. Um, I think that, I don't know, and it's there's so many Jewish actors that get cast to play these roles, too, so it's it's really hard to tease out. But it is definitely, like, one of those things that makes me feel really uncomfortable, and I think that if it was uh, a TV show that was releasing an episode today, like, people would fucking lose their minds about it.
1: Yeah, that's that's really fair. Um, I didn't know this before watching this episode, but this was actually a recast part. Oh, really? They cast and shot part of the episode with a different actor. Whoa. And then that actor attempted suicide, and what? they replaced him with Saul Rubinick. That's and crazy. Then, and then reshot all those scenes, and then the rest of the show with him. Wow. So... Uh, the original actor was like an Englishman, and I do, and I saw like a, a a production still of him, and did not seem to have the uh, the soft reference to a Jewish man the way that that uh, Saul's kivas is played. So interesting. So they might have just like accidentally walked into this portrayal a little bit, and it could have been a complete accident that it turned out this way. Wow, that's a uh, that's real. That's
0: a that's a thinker. Yeah, we don't yeah, like I don't having know. those on this show, do we?
1: The point <laughs> being is that Saul is great as Kivas Fajo. Yeah,
0: and let's just uh, let's acknowledge that it is kind of offensive, <laughs> and move past it.
1: I feel like that should be something that that runs right up before our show, like the cold <laughs> open is. Let's all acknowledge that our show is kind of offensive. <laughs> Welcome to the Greatest Generation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, good yeah, I was just before we started editing uh, An episode and I edited a whole bunch Out of us talking about people that troll us Online, so that oh, Maybe that yeah. would help, uh, you know <laughs> Remove some of those people
1: Those which we don't talk about
0: Yeah Man, can you imagine if we, like, weren't two straight White guys of cisgendered And had, you know <laughs> Oh man <laughs> I mean, the amount of shit we take for, like Making Naughty implications about characters on a beloved sci-fi show.
1: Oh yeah, it would be uh, it'd be tenfold. Oh my god, more shit if uh, if we were anything but uh,
0: but what we are. Stay woke, people.
1: So before we move on, Ben, I think it's important because, like, the bunk bed blows up. What do you do when you're the Enterprise? Like, Data looks to be dead. The shuttle is gone. Their mission with this ship is over because this was the last shipment. Yeah. Kivas gets on the on the FaceTime. Is like, hey, uh, what happened? And uh, and Picard's like what do you mean what happened? What do you think happened? Like, <laughs> there's just sort of that moment after, after a disaster where uh, they're just trying to figure it out, and no one knows what happened, and Kivas is like, well, I'm very sorry for your loss. We're going to get on down the road.
0: Yeah, and and they're also like, fuck, do we even have enough of this hydratium to, to yeah. neutralize the contamination? And it turns out that they, like, just have enough. And they're like, hey, Kivas, do you happen to know anywhere else? Because this is like a fucking emergency. And he's like, yeah. you know, closest closest system you might find at is three weeks away. So I think you guys are SOL unless you can find a way to make do with what you got. Yeah. And, um, and that's and, where they part
1: ways. Yeah. So, it really feels like... It, it feels final and bad when the Enterprise cruises away from this scene. Like, mm-hmm. it's really over at that point. Yeah. For Data, I, I mean.
0: Yeah. So so the two kind of storylines here are Data in captivity in Faggio's ship and, uh, you know, resisting in any way he can think of. But Faggio has really planned this well. Like, Data is in a room that has a door that is too strong For data to open. It would Uh, take
1: a thousand wharfs to try to open that door.
0: Yeah. They and and it wouldn't just be it wouldn't be wharf pushing. It would be like you'd have to fill the room with so many wharfs that the pressure would build up and (laughs) blow the door out. (laughs) Yeah. Uh Fajo is wearing a personal shielding device that is damaging to data's positronic net, so if data you know, runs up to him, it, like, blasts him off, and there's there's a real fun scene where data like, tries to bum-rush him and <laughs> gets launched across the room. Yeah,
1: he sort of uh, velociraptors the protective fence, right? He, yeah. He does it a couple of times to see if, if there's a way in, and there's yeah. not.
0: She's testing it for weaknesses. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Which... One thing I wanted to ask you was the way that Faggio describes his proximity shield is that to me it sounded like it was just data proof. Yeah. Could could he have picked up a vase and thrown it at him and just decapitated him from across the room? I like feel like that? he could have, but yeah.
0: then but then he'd have this this tricky thing of he still needs Fazio to get out of the door and yeah, yeah. He wouldn't be able to like pick him up or move him over to the door. And uh yeah, it's. I mean, it's pretty diabolical, and I think also data is so so stridently moral that he wouldn't.
1: He, he wouldn't, wouldn't br- just. He couldn't bring guy.
0: himself to destroy anything in this room, you know, because because yeah. the thing that about all of these things is that they're priceless and unique. Yeah. That, that it's all single instances of of these things. Uh, that's what he collects. He collects things that there are only one of in the universe. Yeah. And Data is like his, the crown jewel of his collection. And so all he wants Data to do is put on this weird purple and gray pajama suit and sit in this chair and Data good Starfleet officer that he is stands in resistance to that. And so the whole storyline there is mostly Fajo attempting to manipulate Data into doing what he wants to do and Data trying to figure out ways to kind of make this as unfun for Faggio as he can.
1: Right, he's sort of a passive resistance guy. And along yeah. the way we meet uh, Faggio's number one, which is a uh, which is a woman named Varia. She's
0: the girl with the elbow-skin face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I was... There's a point where she says that when Faggio's mad at you, the punishment can be really devastating, and she holds her hand up to her chin, and I wondered if her face was, like, messed up because alien or because surgery.
1: Yeah, that was hard to tell. But I gotta say, like, Ferry has got a lantern jaw on her. Like, if <laughs> if Faggio tried to punch her, like, I don't know if he wins. Yeah. Yeah, we should probably cut that out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> on the Enterprise, they're kind of going through their routine of fixing the contamination at this colony
1: the idea is they're they're supposed to like load up torpedoes with this stuff that they traded for and yeah. then shoot it into the water right
0: yeah, but but Jordy has uh, started this website called Star, Stardate four three eight seven two point two truthorg and <laughs> and he's going around the ship shopping this conspiracy theory that hydridium uh, doesn't melt bunk beds. I guess
1: what <laughs> happened to shuttle pod seven, Ben?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't hit by it wasn't hit by tritium, but it fell on its own footprint in a controlled demolition fashion.
1: Today of all days, Ben. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, people don't know that we're recording this on nine eleven. <laughs> no, they're not. Guess what I'm doing later today? I'm going to a wedding. <laughs> Whoa!
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I bet the uh, I bet the rates on a on a on an event place are pretty competitive on nine eleven.
0: Yeah, I think that that is why that is why this is happening.
1: <laughs> wow. I don't think they'll uh, ever forget their anniversary, huh? (laughs) (laughs) That was so hack, I'm sorry. (laughs) Need those uh, Jay Leno aliens to tell that one.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's a bunch of scenes, you know, like Wes and Jordy go into Data's quarters and they are looking through all his personal effects. You know, they find the stuff that was introduced as evidence in the Commander Maddox episode that established Data's legal personhood. Including his hologram, Tasha Yar. Uh, they find his butthole painting. You know, they don't it, find his Chinese finger cuffs, which I thought <laughs> was interesting. Like that,
1: those are canonical data.
0: Yeah, that's interesting.
1: But um, they they find Tasha Yar's uh, China Phillips dress, <laughs> and, like, balled up in a drawer. <laughs> Why is it sticky? <laughs> Why is it just stuck in the ball? <laughs>
0: I mean, we're making fun, but this scene was very effective. I feel like they did great, great work with dealing with the grief of Worf and Geordi and Wesley in particular. Um, yeah, because Worf and Reiter, is also Riker
1: says it earlier. He's like, for a for a being that didn't have the capacity for feelings on its own, like he sure did affect them in others. I thought that yeah. was a pretty great line of dialogue.
0: Yeah, and like Worf gets promoted to take over the second officer role at ops and that's uh that's real heavy for him and you know Troy tries to kind of talk fifies with him about it and he's he's like really not interested <laughs> you know he's like <clears throat> people die on Klingon ships all the time. Yeah,
1: boy, at this moment in time Worf has really seen some shit. He's gotten two field promotions because of deaths in front of him. He had he had that archaeologist gore just uh, tidal waved onto him on that mission On yeah. that archaeology mission
0: He's gotten discommendation in the Empire that He doesn't uh That he came from I mean it's, it's You could um, argue
1: that he's seen the most shit at this point
0: Yeah Um I also want to just call out like the acting That LeVar Burton does in this episode Cause It is really No joke to act when Your eyes aren't visible yeah and yeah. I feel like Lavar Burton really gets his emotional journey across in this episode i mean it's i mean i don't think it's said often enough what a challenge he's handed as an actor yeah i mean it's it's sort of like i mean the same thing happened in um with the uh, Cyclops character in the first x men movie like mm-hmm. kind of a lot of a lot of shit gets laid at that character's feet, and you never really feel it because you can't see his eyes yeah and I think lavar Burton uh did an amazing thing doing seven i mean this is a this is a particularly heavy episode but i just i i really noticed it and uh appreciated it
1: absolutely and I think what he does so well is not about like large gestures or anything he's he's sort of a breath and posture actor, and especially in this episode like yeah. you can you can see him sort of weighed down. By the loss of his friend. And again, like, I feel like we keep going over over and over this. Like, the best acting on the show is the stuff that's in the margins. Like, yeah. real minor stuff.
0: Yeah, totally. So they get to this planet. They deal, with the, they deal with the contamination. They're like, that's weird. This was really easy. And we had, like, exactly the amount of hydridium we needed. Like, you couldn't have, you couldn't have planned it better. And yeah, so they, this they was by down. the book. Yeah, they beam down into this like underground cistern, and uh, <laughs> this is a really this is a really extravagant wet set that they built for this one very short scene where they yeah. like scan a crystal that's embedded in the rock, and they're like, yeah, this these uh, these precursors for the the uh contamination don't have any organic compounds in them and they're definitely synthetic and they're like what the fuck like who synthesizes they got this? a fugazi yeah and and jordy is like looking for new threads to include in his uh his chemtrail theory so uh he's 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 uh only too eager to to start arguing that data is not as dead as they've all been led to believe he is see See, hydratium doesn't melt whatever's in this water.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just a it's just another piece of evidence that indicates that the deal they got with Fagio wasn't on the up and up. Right. So even though like it's sort of like the evidence they, that they found indicates that they got a better deal than they thought. Right. Cuz this rock works better than they were expecting.
0: Yeah, but they're expecting it to be like a natural contamination. You know.
1: It's like when you buy heroin and it ends up being like really pure stuff that you yeah. weren't expecting. It doesn't That's have a like lot of baby
0: laxative is. in it. It's not all stepped on. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: It's like they got pure H and they weren't expecting to. It's really a tremendous value when you think
0: about it. Yeah, it's excellent stuff. But you know, like the the best stuff is like often what people OD on because they, you know, it's it uh, it's so pure they don't know how much they can handle. And that's the danger here. The water supply almost OD'd.
1: Mm-hmm. So now they gotta go back to the dealer, right? Now they're starting to put it together. Yeah. Something ain't right.
0: Yeah, they, they uh, take out a baseball bat and pound a nail through it. <laughs> they're gonna go kick some ass.
1: I am the of board. Lock faces on that vessel. I am the of There are four lights.
0: They figure out that Fajo's ship is like really not that fast so there's not that many places he could have gotten and They uh, they put it out on Subspace that they're looking for this asshole, (laughs) and uh, they turn him up like he just left orbit of some other planet. There's a great scene uh, when Fajo is actually in orbit of this planet where he has a hang with some other uh, thief slash collector guy, (laughs) and he's like really excited to show this guy that he got data because it's like the you know like anybody that's into collecting this type of shit would would kill to have data right. and uh data just kind of like turns himself off essentially <laughs> they come in and data's just standing there totally inert <laughs> he's mannequining like yeah. from the movie mannequin oh yeah is that what that's from yeah i just oh. wanted
1: to make sure that you got that reference okay thank you uh <laughs> yeah fajo's really... friend is named uh Palinthal. And he yeah. looks like if Brian Dennehy was really into rhythmic gymnastics, like he's got, a, <laughs> he's
0: got that ribbon like going through his nose and around his head. Yeah. This is, a, this is a fun little bit of alien makeup design, I thought.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he looks like the top of a wedding cake.
0: Yeah. And these guys are trying to measure dicks against each other. You know, he's like,
1: I've added a
0: mountain sex idol to my collection. Huh? And Faja's like, I got four of them.
1: What? What do assholes talk about with each other? That's mm-hmm. that's how it goes.
0: Yeah. And so Fajo is like fucking pissed about this shit and and he's so pissed that he basically makes it makes a deal with Data that unless Data kind of dances when Fajo wants him to dance, it's going to it's going to be very his life. Like he has this terrifying gun that is incredibly painful when it kills somebody and he's like I will kill Varia with this gun unless you behave the way I want you to behave and uh you know data's not going to is not going to allow that to happen so so that sort of that sort of uh the last straw for Varia she's you know been with Fajo for a long time it sounds like she's had a lot of good times with Fajo but also some some pretty rough times and the fact that her life is so valueless to him that he would use it as leverage with data is is the last straw so she sneaks back to the gallery room one night and proposes an escape plan with data and it's a pretty bad plan (laughs) (laughs) dad (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, it really is. She's like, "Look, I know the I know the code to the wall safe with this uh with this gorgon. Let's get it and get to the shuttle bay and maybe we can skip out of here." But the plan's super flawed because as soon as they get to the shuttle bay and start the launch sequence, the alarm goes off. And they don't have time to launch the shuttle before uh Fajo's goons run in,
0: yeah, followed a, by Fajo himself. A lot of guys with mullets running around in there in their pajamas, and... They, there's uh, a
1: great scene here where Data starts throwing them around. It's great. Yeah,
0: yeah, and it's fun to see, like, how little effort he needs to just toss somebody 45 feet across this hangar bay.
1: I feel like if this show was made 10 years later, we'd see more broken arms. Yeah. Like, like he'd Steven Seagal these guys <laughs> instead of just whip them around.
0: Yeah, and so this is this big showdown where Fajo gets into the room, and Varia has lost lost uh the gun and and fajo has one of his own and and shoots her with it and she like like from the inside out just gets torn apart at the molecular level the very uh very unpleasant looking way to go and uh to the degree that it sort of disgusts fajo any any like
1: kind of drops his gun right. and I can't believe I did that way.
0: Yeah, which makes you wonder kind of like was he a sociopath or is he just incredibly ambitious to the point of blindness? Cuz I don't think he would have dropped the gun like that if he wasn't if he was like actually a sociopath.
1: Right, because uh being a sociopath involves not having feelings. Right. The way the way that uh Fajo Demonstrates in this right. He, he, so. he
0: presents himself as being a sociopath. <laughs> yeah. and, and and cultivates that reputation. Like definitely, Varia thought he was a sociopath, and you know, told Data to not trifle with him because because of that. Yeah. So uh, so having tossed the gun, he has exposed himself to Data picking up the other one, and uh, and Data raises the gun to him, and. And Fajo tries to lawyer Data a little bit here. He's like, "You're not going to shoot me. Like, you don't. You have strong Im- inhibitions toward killing organic life forms." And right. Data's like, "I do, but you are scum. And if I don't end this here, end this now. There, you know, like this will persist forever. Baseball
1: and- cards around the galaxy will be in danger." <laughs>
0: Unless I stop this here So Data like raises the weapon And just then dematerializes In a transporter beam And uh, Chief O'Brien's like Oh, uh, weapon going off In the uh, transporter beam But I'll take care of that And uh, he materializes In the transporter room and hops off And Riker's there
1: He materializes pointing the gun at Riker
0: Yeah Kind of a close call and uh, he surrenders the the weapon to Riker, and Riker's like, "Were you shooting?" And Data's like, "Who me? No, wouldn't So you're 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 left to wonder: Was Data actually going to execute this guy? Had he sort of extrajudicially decided to kill Fajo just to prevent Fajo's further mischief?
1: This is, you know, in a series that has had, let's face it. Half of the episodes have ended on, like, a slide whistle, like, kazoo (laughs) concerto at the end. You know, that that sort of, like, comedy button. Yeah. This was, like, an actually provocative ending. Yeah, totally. That I thought about well after the episode was over. Data says I do not feel pleasure at the end when he's confronting Faggio about, about the idea that he could feel good about killing him. Yeah. Like I am I am just an android, he says. Yeah.
0: The the epilogue is that they take Fajo into custody and so data goes down and the kind of shoes on the other foot. Fajo is in the in the brig and data is standing on the other side of the the force field and it's good value on this brig set. Totally. Yeah. They are glad that they spent the extra bucks to give it lots of interesting lumps on the walls. (laughs) Um, We're going to need more lumps over here. (laughs) Do you guys have any more Tupperware that we can turn over and glue onto the wall? Paint over? Um, (laughs) Now to make a proper lump,
1: (laughs) you want to take four hat boxes (laughs) and use a 30-penny nail right through
0: the center. Other things you can find at your local hardware store are a common silverware organizer makes an excellent (laughs) wall lump in a brig-type set.
1: You know, I was watching the time code on this episode, and uh-huh. I was thinking, we might actually do this up without any impressions.
0: <laughs> <laughs> not this time. A lot of people think that's a Peter Griffin impression, it's not. <laughs> It's not. I know that our impressions are very bad and therefore hard to, <laughs> hard to guess what, what we're trying to evoke. <laughs> I feel like when
1: we do Greatest Gen Con 2017, like one of the panels should be, what impression are we doing Like as a game show? <laughs> because our impressions are so bad.
0: <laughs> what are we doing? I love that. Uh, write that down. We do need to if if we're gonna do Greatest Gen Con and it's like not gonna be just a silly joke that we have as a running gag. And I think at this point people would show up with pitchforks and torches at both of our houses if we didn't do Greatest Gen Con.
1: Oh yeah. It's happening.
0: We gotta think of like what would actually happen.
1: <laughs> you know Yeah, that's a good idea. It's not too early to program this event. No. Uh you know what would be a great use of time and energy from our viewers as if instead instead of writing in to tell us what we missed or neglected to talk about during an episode maybe mm-hmm. if they had any ideas about what we could do <laughs> Gemcon, uh, we could make a big master list or something yeah that would be, be good if that sounded more antagonistic than I intended I'm sorry I love our viewers
0: we love we love all of the emails yes even the critical ones I think are right. appreciated if you have anything you want to write in, send it to DrunkShimoda@gmail.com. at gmail.com. But especially if you have ideas of stuff we could do at Greatest Gen Con.
1: So in the in the jail cell and he's like, what? You came here to gloat? Fuck you, man. <laughs> I'm going to get out of here and guess what? I'm going to put you back in my little collection. It's going to be great. And data's like, actually fuck you, and your collection's being given back to the people who own all that stuff,
0: yeah, so they're like repatriating all the uh, all the stolen artwork
1: and that is like a real existential kick in the balls, like yeah. that is another scene uh where where Saul Rubinick like does some capital A acting
0: totally and uh and Rubinick's like, so you just came here because you're gonna get some." some delight out of the fact that I've been reduced to nothing. And, uh, data's like, I get no pleasure out of it at all, bub. I'm an Android. And he like does finger guns and then walks out of the room. Do you think it's true though? Like, does data feel pleasure? I guess, I guess, so we talk about this a lot, like, to what extent does no emotions actually mean no emotions? And I think yeah. it's clear that there are definitely things that Data is going through that, you know, they don't quite rise to the level of passion of, say, a Riker. Yeah. But I think he does have feelings. And I think that one feeling that he definitely has demonstrated himself to have in the past and in this episode is satisfaction. Right. I think he is deeply satisfied with the fact that this was resolved in the way that it was.
1: Well put. I agree.
0: Did you like this episode, Adam? Yeah, I
1: really did. I really did. Yeah. I think it might be one of the best of the season.
0: I think so too. We did. We did a little text message yesterday after uh, we each watched it, and I was like, I was like, man, this is like. One of the apps that really makes me love this show. Because, I mean, it's... And it's a... I feel like a big outlier. Like, data is usually so uncomplicated. And this really makes you question, you know, was... I mean, you know, he wasn't uh, wrong to attempt escape. But I feel like I would never have guessed that he would have uh, chosen to... Do a a murder as part of his escape, you know I mean, it's self-defense and it's uh, I think no court in the land would convict him But a surprising turn
1: What would you think about this being the first episode That you recommend someone watch uh, Who had never seen the show before?
0: Hmm. I feel
1: like this is almost a great place to hop in For a beginner because I mean, with very few exceptions Uh, every character gets painted like you know everyone's motivation you understand how important data is like he's more than just a robot because of how people feel about him you could see data's powers and strengths you could see the crew's uh powers and strengths uh investigatively and otherwise yep it's just a real solid episode
0: you only get a little dusting of troy and the doctor yeah uh, yeah what else is new
1: (laughs) yeah that's par for the course
0: yeah, I, love, I loved it. Great app. Adam, I think we have something coming in over subspace.
1: Oh, is that what that is? That, yeah. that was that persistent, itchy, flaky scalp? <laughs> it works. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel.
0: Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental.
1: Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. By the interest alone, could be enough to buy this ship.
0: Adam, our ad today... Is a commercial message And it is from Illustration.com And I don't know if I'm Completely pronouncing that right But uh, just so everybody is clear That is I-L-L-U-S-T-R-A-T-I-A-N Dot com Like somebody that is, that comes from Illustrastan Would be an illustration So the message is this. I create portraits for people that reflect their love of slightly embarrassing shows slash video games slash role-playing. They make fantastic and unique gifts for friends, family, or commanding officers. (laughs) Fun. Uh, Adam, I just clicked on this link. Uh, This is like, this person is super talented.
1: I gotta tell you, when we first got this ad, I was thinking like great uh, a a caricature artist that you'd run into on a boardwalk of a tourist town <laughs> has a website like good for this guy but i've got to tell you like i i am going to be purchasing one of these illustrations for myself they are so awesome they're really he, uh, cool he basically well he can commission anything but he's doing album artwork and Sort of superhero style versions of, of clients who who write with special requests. He's done some for the McElroys. Uh, his uh, if you click through his client work, it's just awesome.
0: Yeah, uh, this stuff is, is super impressive, and it looks like he kind of can break it down. Like if you just want line artwork, that can that can happen for less money. But if you want it really like lovingly colored and and graded uh that can be more money and and you can kind of you can kind of dial it into whatever whatever your budget allows and you can get like drawn as uh, as an orc or as uh you know like a mercenary from star wars or whatever
1: hey ben i know i'm putting you on the spot but if you had to request uh an image for yourself by this guy uh, oh, what do man. you think you would request
0: Uh, maybe the guy with the jerry curl that rolls around with Ginger Jesus and helps him get laid.
1: (laughs) Yes! Oh, that's awesome!
0: How about yourself?
1: Oh God! See, I wasn't even thinking about anything next gen related, and I should have. <laughs> uh, I think I think I would want to be uh, Remick in the chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except it's me. So it's like a car- it's a it's a picture of me in the chair, and all of the bugs are spilling out of my stomach.
0: Oh, nice! Are you, uh, is there like something bulging at your neckline?
1: Oh yeah, I got a little nubbin. Okay. <laughs> right
0: just to reiterate the the website because it's it's hard to it's it's one of those ones where you can say it out loud and it doesn't evoke what it how it's spelled. This is i l l u s t r a t i a n dot com. Uh, that's illustration
1: Illustration. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, definitely check out their work.
0: Darmok, Angelad, and Tanagra. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Boy, do I love a Microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to Microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen. Because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week
1: till Max Fun Drive. <laughs>
0: Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content.
1: Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday,
0: March 21st. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey Ben. What's that Adam?
1: Do you have a drunk Shimoda in your collection? Incredible
0: Drunk, drunk Shimoda. Shimoda! I do. So uh, drunk, drunk Shimoda is the award we give to Character that's having the most fun or doing something wacky that messes everything up for everyone else. And uh, this episode, I gave my drunk Shimoda to Data for a brief little scene. I feel like my drunk Shimodas are starting to trend toward tiny little moments that I noticed. Uh huh. Um, but I there's think I just... know what
1: you're gonna say, and I'm angry that you stole my Shimoda.
0: Well, I, I, you may you may uh, you may have picked a different. There's a bunch of different little moments yeah. with data in this episode, but the the scene that I want to uh, highlight is a scene where it. I think it comes back from commercial, and the yep. camera is tight on yep. the Mona Lisa. <laughs> it uh, shot reverse shot to data trying to do the Mona Lisa smile. <laughs> it's and, so great! Oh man, it's like it is a perfect like tonally perfect little moment and uh just a lot of fun that
1: uh that was not my Shimoda and I'm almost relieved but that was a great moment in the episode and I really want to know at what point that gets to the page like yeah I know I know they're they're coming up with all the objects that are going to be in Fajo's room and they're and like one of the things you do is you workshop potential interactions with those things right i just think that is a hilarious idea
0: (laughs) it's so good
1: yeah like the that the feeling in the room when that gets dropped i think has got to be euphoric like what a great scene yeah he kind of does it
0: yeah i'd say he gets as close as anybody i've ever seen
1: my shimoda is is a sister to that one because they do i think they do this Maybe four times is where they they go from the A to the B story and back, and they go back to Data in the gallery, and Data is feeding a puppet, (laughs) what is very clearly a hand puppet that's sort of a hairy bird. And we learn earlier on in the episode, it's the last one in the galaxy, this little hairy bird. Yeah. And it's it's like flapping around in there. And there's like like a little there's like a little bowl of food that uh that Fajo just sort of absentmindedly like feeds it. Like he just sort of flings some food in there and it's all flapping around. It's sort of fun looking. But we come back into the scene and Data's doing it and he's making this sound as he does it. <laughs> like he says "lulu lulu lulu" as he flings food in. <laughs> uh, it is It is as funny to me as Picard's Beavis and Butthead laugh in episode two. Like, it is the weirdest sound to hear a character make. And I loved it. I laughed out loud. It was awesome. It's it's a total uh, Muppet Studios alien, though. Yeah. Like, Star Trek aliens tend to be plasticky and gooey. Yeah. But this little hand puppet bird looked totally exotic. I thought it was great.
0: Very well done.
1: And the way that you get its attention is by doing that Lululu thing. <laughs> Data knows this. Yeah. Yeah. So the comebacks to commercials I thought were, were rock
0: solid. Uh, among the best. Yeah.
1: Good Shimotos. Mm-hmm. What do we have coming up on the next episode, Ben?
0: Next episode is season three, episode twenty three, Sarek. The enterprise is plagued by an outbreak of violence when it is visited by a renowned Vulcan ambassador. Do you remember this one? You know what I remember? It was the build-up to this episode,
1: where you know they, they typically had that preview package of yeah. you know the music and and the scenes and mm-hmm. the logo. Yeah, but the weird, this like, one
0: three D animated yeah. version of the logo.
1: This episode got a special package, as I remember it. Like, holy shit, an original series character is back. Yeah. Like, and and there was, like, some gravitas about it. Totally. I also remember the Sarek stuff happening way later in the series. I Hmm. did not realize that this was a season three thing. Yeah. Uh, But that's it. I don't remember anything specific to the episode other than, uh, than its character gravity.
0: Yeah, I feel like this is an episode that I remember sort of re-anointing the TNG cast with the blessing of the TOS world. Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of, you know, a more serious and more thoughtful show than TOS ever was, but uh, but still like kind of fighting for its own position in the world. Yeah, at this point in its in its history, and I think that getting. Uh, getting a character as beloved as Sarek back in the mix is uh, is an interesting move on the part of the producers. So, uh, I'm looking forward to it, and we don't have any vetoes, so there's nothing anybody can do about watching it anyways. Nope.
1: Hostage season.
0: Well, Adam, one of the greatest things about The Greatest Generation is that it is a team effort. It's You, It's Me is our viewers. They are uh, going on uh slash donate in droves and signing up to support the show. And uh it really it really helps a lot. You know, every every time we get a check and the checks are not huge, but they you know, they make a difference. And uh they, they're keeping you in podcast fluid. They're uh helping cover our hosting costs and stuff like that. And uh we really appreciate uh all of the all of the support that we get from our viewers. And if you would like to join the viewers that have already stepped up, MaximumFun.org slash donate. You can also now buy our t-shirt at MaxFunStore.com. Yeah, pretty awesome. And it, uh,
1: I don't know when that that t-shirt is
0: selling like hotcakes.
1: I was going to say, uh, depending on when this episode comes out, like that t-shirt has sold out and is is on pre-order now, and then by the time this app comes out, I imagine they will be for sale again, and they will quickly sell out again. They're selling like hotcakes, Ben.
0: Yeah, I mean they they might uh, they might replace hotcakes, and the the new saying will be, "This is selling like West Hot American Summer T-shirts." <laughs> oh man, I can't wait to see one of these out in the wild. Yeah, I I fantasize about just walking around somewhere and seeing somebody in one that I don't know and have never met before. Would you go up to them? I think I'd have to. I don't think I could help myself. Yeah, I think I would go up to them. I want to say hi to people. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. That's one of our beloved viewers, probably. It's true.
1: Or one of their ashamed spouses.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you can help support the show by buying a t-shirt. Uh, you can review the show on wherever you listen to and get podcasts.
0: Yeah, and you can uh, chat with us about it. We're on Twitter, Twitter. Uh, Adam is at cut for time. I'm at Benjamin R. A. H. R. And use the hashtag greatest gen, And, uh, there's a very lively community there. There's also a Facebook group and a Facebook page. There, uh, there's a Reddit sub, greatest gen, and also the maximum fun sub. Both places are great places to strike up conversations with like minded nerdzoids like yourselves <laughs> and us. Hey,
1: uh, you know, earlier in the episode we talked about would this be a good first episode to, like, watch Star Trek The Next Generation with? I sure. would wonder, like, what is a good first episode of ours that would be right for sharing?
0: Yeah, let's, uh, uh, let's have that convo.
1: Yeah, if uh, any of our viewers have a vote for that, give that a share. Yeah. Throw that out there on the Facebooks or the Twitter. I'd be interested to see yeah. uh, which, one, which one rises to the top.
0: This might be a good one to do to specifically do in the Maximum Fun subreddit because I yeah. feel like there's a lot of Max Funsters that haven't given our show a try yet, and yeah. uh, it might be it might be a cool way to just say like, hey, this might be a good place to dip your toe in the stream, see if you like it.
1: Right, right. Our thanks to Dark Materia who makes our incredible theme and interstitial music, as well as Adam Ragusia who does the music bed for our Priority One messages.
0: The goose the goose gotta listen to his show the pub on current public media let's see you have any anybody else to thank <laughs> with that we will be back at you next week with another great episode of star trek the next generation and a crazily violent episode of the greatest generation
1: i wasn't expecting that One scene that we didn't discuss during the show was uh we cut to jordy's nightmare like we're <laughs> we're in his room we're in yeah. his cat we're in his quarters and he's chief engineer ben yeah he does not have a window in his quarters oh do you think that's
0: kind of fucked up oh yeah he's got like an interior well i mean he's got he the,
1: he's got an interior uh stateroom like on a cruise ship the cheapest ones
0: are uh, are facing in right we I don't wonder, get that view of the water, I wonder if he doesn't really care. you know he's a he's yeah. a blind man maybe uh maybe looking at a wall is just as interesting to his eye as looking out the window,
1: yeah, and the second thing I noticed was his world's most uncomfortable pillow
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did notice that too big oh uh big one foot by one foot like tubular square shaped pillow
1: it immediately excused everything i'd seen of him in the episodes before like this guy's not getting good sleep at all yeah he's sleeping on a block
0: <laughs> it's a very strange strange anyway, choice jordy
1: looked real uncomfortable maximumfun.org comedy and culture artist owned listener supported